brought to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia. This was the most eventful, exciting state finals that I can remember. I mean, he had everything. Overtime, Uh goal line stands, Uh history made, Uh and records broken. GHSA Championship weekend, rarely ever disappoint. You get to see these guys without their helmets on and behind the scenes. It was ridiculous. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Large device or small. John here, Hannah there, and it's another go-around of the All-Stars, the post-championships edition, 11 games, 60 hours of real time, three days on GPB. It was our Super Bowl, our Daytona 500, our World Series, our Stanley (laughs) Cup final, all rolled into a three-day period. Yeah, and 35 hours of TV coverage. Mm-hmm. Have you dried out yet, John? No, I have not. And that includes two showers since. Looking a little wrinkly today. Yeah, I am definitely kind of, <laughs> kind of uh, yeah, I am definitely. A little uh, pruny. Yeah, I, I definitely need to have to be on the ironing board. I need to have something happen just to, to kind of flatten me out a little bit to make sure that my creases are where they're supposed to be. All right, everybody. Coming up on today's show, we're going to recap all of the GHSA championship games, including the girls' flag football ones. And we will be bringing in all of the All-Stars, like John said, to help us do it. It was an amazing weekend. Here is a little sampling of what happened. And this has been a game of big-time players making big-time plays. Yes. And you just saw another one right there that's probably going to seal the deal here. I, I got to tell you, all the games I've done on GPB, the championship games, first one where it actually came out of the final play. Kneel down from Kaylee Haas, and that will do it. No more snaps needed. Southeast Bullock, state champions again. And the trophy awaits. Prince Avenue for the second time in three years. 24 seconds, 23 seconds, 21 seconds. Clock still running. They're still milling around out there. Talmadge right up the middle. And he is going to score the touchdown. 66 yards to put the cherry on top. Tanner hands off to Gardner. special maybe nope he's gonna run it himself to the pylon touchdown we had overtime Uh goal line stands Uh history made Uh and records broken john uh it's just you know you're sitting there and you have to kind of pull yourself back a little bit and then you hear that montage put together gives you chills and that's just a sampling i mean on social media you've got Five plays in 55 seconds in in football time in the 7A championship game, and the plays were 80 yards here, 80 yards there. You're talking 1,100-something yards of total offense in the 7A championship game. Records for points in a half, points in a game, records for a freshman in you know in a in a championship. It's just mind blowing what we got to see on a lot of different levels, whether it was tremendous defense or just offense, where it was it was Nintendo or Arena Football, whatever you want to say. We had both we had both sets of extremes to get championships made. Well, speaking of video games, Mill Creek Carrollton game, the Hawks won seventy to thirty five. <laughs> Most 
points scored in a GHSA championship ever. Here's Cotton Commission player of the game, Cam Robinson, following the win. And let's send it back down to John Nelson with our Cotton Commission player of the game. And I know that you've got some celebrating to do, Cam, so we'll make this kind of quick. What was it like out there tonight? It was almost video game stuff. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. I was not expecting the score to be like this. Carroll's is a great team. They have a great coaching staff. But Coach Love told us from day one, that we, if we play with our heart and we play with each other, we're going to get a championship. And that's what we did tonight. When you look back at this year and the success that Mill Creek has had, it almost seems too easy at times. Talk about the hard work that it took to get to this game and win the last game of the year. All, all the summer workouts, all the spring workouts, all the ups and downs we went through as a team, finding ourselves as that Buford loss really humbled us. And after that, we just been on the road. When you look at this group of, of folks that have been around you, I know that family has been thrown around as a word. Yes, Break down the brotherhood for me. One of a kind. These going to be my brothers forever. I couldn't do anything without I couldn't do anything without him. So Mill Creek played in its first ever state title in its 19-year history. And in Cam Robinson's words, it was ridiculous, John. Ridiculous. 66-yard <laughs> touchdown run to start the scoring off. And then he had TD runs, one-yard crash in the third, and a three-yard run in the fourth quarter. And I'm sitting here trying to do the math really quickly. Uh, 1,165 total yards of offense, 597 from Mill Creek, 406 on the ground, where the extreme for Carrollton, Juju Lewis, 531 through the air Wow! to get things done for 105 points to be put on the board. All right, well, let's take a deeper dive at that game in every single championship game with our GPB All-Stars. As always, first up is GHSF Daily founder and editor Todd Holcomb as John makes the batting he, motion. He's, he's, batting our Ricky, he's our Ricky Henderson here. <laughs> he, for that, and that's the Google machine reference for the kids today. Todd, Todd is our version of Ricky Henderson. So, Todd, three days of championship action. We are going to take a closer look at Thursday with you. So we had three flag football games and the boys single A's. Let's start by talking about Southeast Bullock beating Harris County 13 to nothing. They go 39 and 0 in program history. Their second straight championship in two years in division one for the girls. That's a first ever for GHSA flag football. 15 shutouts this season, seven in a Is row. Okay, all? okay. I'm going to stop talking about them now and let Todd talk. Uh, what have you seen out of girls' flag football, and how much fun was that game to watch? Well, first of all, it's pretty amazing that they get the shutouts like that because, you know, you think of flag football as being, well, who's got, you know, the fastest players, who's got a good quarterback, and but it's really, it's really often comes down to pulling those flags, you know, just getting after it that way. And they do that really well. But yeah, I think the growth of it, I mean, I, I don't have the exact stats, but I, but I remember getting this from GHSA last week. I mean, I think it had about 225 teams this year, about mm -hmm. 160 last year and 90 the year before. I mean, think about that. It's definitely the GHSA's fastest growing sport. And why wouldn't it be? Because football is kind of America's sport, right? But girls have had the opportunity to play, you know, basketball or soccer or, you know, or fast pitch similar to baseball, but they've never had a football equivalent. So it was just, it's just kind of amazing that it's taken this long to think of that great idea. I mean, it's, you know, it's, and, and the quality of play is really good and the coaching is really good. It's, um, I, you know, my favorite sport to watch. 
No, I agree. It's fantastic. So then in uh, Division Two, Lithia Springs beat Central Carroll fourteen to nothing to go eighteen and zero on the year. And in Division Three, Blessed Trinity beat Milton nineteen to thirteen in the crazy double overtime game. And you just named a player on the Titans team um, as your player of the week, right? Yeah, two of them. In fact, it was the quarterback Julia Geis, I believe that's how she pronounced that, and Jacqueline mm-hmm. Johns, and they hooked up for the winning touchdown in overtime. So let's get into the, the games after flag football, and it was the single-A classifications, both Division One and Division Two. some really cool stories there. You had uh, Swainsboro, Prince Avenue Christian. You had Bowden and Sly County. You had some real uh, competition. They were top-ranked in both divisions for most of the year. When you look at those matchups, what did you see? What are your takeaways? Well, first of all, in Division Two. Um, of course, you know, Division Two is a new classification. Um, previously, to be a Class A school, you, you were anything under about 600 students. And this year, it was under about 400, um, maybe give or take 50. I can't remember exactly where the cutoff was. But it really opened up an opportunity for a lot of those really smaller schools that were always good, like Bowden and Shulak County, but had a tough time breaking through. And so, um, yeah, Bowden wins their first state title since 1992. It would have been Shulak County's first. So mm-hmm. that was the coolest thing first of all about these two schools getting that opportunity because and it was the first state final appearance for sly county and bowed the first in a little while and it was a great game i mean back and forth you know high scoring game 39 31 and uh yeah one of the in fact people forget how um, how much scoring took place in these class no finals it was a craziness that happened in 7a a couple of days later but uh-huh. yeah really good offenses and uh in the case of bowden and sly they really run the ball well um, and so I can throw it. So, yeah, really good game. Uh, Jay Canizala for another year, and then uh, Prince Avenue and Swainsboro. PAC business as usual, well, right, John? Well, that, but at the same time, we saw the fast start that Swainsboro had and, and where Coach uh, Vandegrift said after the game, it's a four-quarter game, and we knew that we could you know, get to Swainsboro and, and their lack of depth probably, say, third and fourth quarter, and they did exactly that, Todd. Yeah, I thought, um, you know, I think it was at halftime, uh, Y'all interviewed uh, Coach Vandergriff, and he sounded almost not cocky, but really confident that you know that they would have the, the more gas in the end, and that's exactly kind of what happened. Uh, but again, two awfully good teams. I mean, Swainsboro was undefeated. Prince Avenue Christian was our number one ranked team from wire to wire. So it was you know a battle of heavyweights there, and uh, yeah, and I mean Prince Avenue just throws the ball so well. I mean, they three <laughs> receivers, hundred over hundred yards receiving. They had three of over a thousand yards on the season. Of course, one of them was playing with a broken collarbone, um, mm. uh, uh, Bailey Stockton. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and Aaron Philo threw for, what's my numbers here? I've got it, 477 yards, and that was a state record, which would be broken two years later, I mean two days later, you know, by Carrollton's uh, freshman quarterback, Lewis. But he had six touchdown passes, which is the state finals record. So Wow. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty exciting game there. So just to recap our scores there in boys single A Division Two, Bowden beat Sly County thirty nine thirty one, and in single A Division One, PAC beat Swainsboro fifty two to thirty four for their second championship in three years. Well, Todd, thank you so much as always for all of your great insight. We appreciate you joining us on the podcast and breaking down day number one of our championship coverage for us. Yeah, you're welcome. And just one last quick thing, because you'll have fun reviewing all these games with your other guests. But I think this was the most eventful, exciting state finals that I can remember. I mean, you had everything. So high-scoring games, goal line stands, you name it. 
Next up, WMAZ sports anchor Marvin James and Marvin. Uh, no. <laughs> that always gets Hello, Hannah. Hello, Anna. Hello, John. How are y'all? That always gets Hannah. I truly just can't work through it yet. Show me what you got. I can't work through it. Um, okay, so we know you were on the sidelines for a lot of these big games. The one we right. want to talk to you about, 5A, Ware uh-huh. County taking down the two-time defending champs, Warner Robins, 38-13 to for their first title win in history, 64-year program, finally getting their first championship. Recap that game for us. What fell apart for the Demons? Uh, the Gators showing up. They were just a great team. I mean, um, take no credit away from them or the Demons. It's just when you got matchups, uh, their matchups out, uh, you know, outdid the matchups of the Demons, and they just were the better team. And it was their time. I mean, I, I, you, you think about a lot of times when you, you're cheering for a team and you're cheering for your own individual program, you don't think about the other things. Well, here's a little story about Ware County. They lost to the Demons in 2004 semifinals, headed to the Demons State Championship that they won that year. And then in 06, they lost to Northside, same city, different school, but they lost to a team from Warner Robins. So this was their time. They were ready for uh, the, the big moment, and um, they came out there, and they just exploded for it, and it, just, it was just an awesome sight to see. It was one thing that Demons really couldn't put their heads down because uh, they were playing with house money. But they just ran into a better team that day. Well, and I mean, considering the the rough start that Marquise Westbrook and Warner Robins had, I mean, a lot of folks, and we said it on the weekend, a lot of folks were kicking dirt on Warner Robins when they were one and four. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they got everything figured out, and you got to see uh, what a lot of folks saw in Warner Robins the previous five years as they steamrolled their way from the the bottom half of uh, their regular season through the playoffs to get to the last game of the year against an old region rival. That's right. I mean, nine straight wins um, to start off one and four, um, to enter into the state championship two and four, it's nothing to scoff at. And I think a lot of times, you know, we're in this business where we see this stuff happen occasionally. But, you know, as an occasional fan, it's, I mean, it's to imagine six times in a row, that means it's not just one class. Mm-hmm. It's, it's two, several different classes that come together. And to be able to do that six different times and, and to still be able to be at the top of the class, and at the end of the day, you say, oh, I'm number two in 5A. I mean, that's just a great thing to talk about the program for what Coach Westbrook is doing. He's 50 and nine <laughs> is his record through four years. Um, but, you know, but again, take your hat off to Ware County. Waycross brought the crowd. Um, they just were very in it from the beginning. They have some speedy, speedy talent out there. Ooh. And um, it was just exciting for me. I mean, you know, halfway through, I mean, I get excited for any program that is trying to push, the, um, you know, and make history for themselves. And that's what they did. It just was a great game. Um, I heard uh, one of the speakers talk earlier about just being a great weekend of football, a great week of football. And I agree. It was just a great week of football. Well, Coach Westbrook has proven year after year to rebuild the team and maintain that level of play. Who will they be graduating and what areas um, are the Demons going to be focusing on in the offseason? I know one that they'll be focusing on because they do not have the Burley man coming back next year. Yes, he is gone. The big, big big Burley has been playing. um, I think he played in all of those um, games for uh, For the past 10 years. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah, he's been playing forever, man. I mean, I think they're going to have to take the key from him to lock up the gym and, you know, and all the stuff that he did so much, putting up the vending machines and all that stuff in the school. He just, I mean, 
what, what a great guy. What a legacy and what, what he's been able to do. Um, he even came over to the offensive side of the ball because the offensive line was struggling a little mm-hmm. bit, and he ran some tight end, and he blocked his butt off and still went out there and put his hand in the dirt to play four downs on defense. So, yeah, that's the big plus right here for them. But um, on the offensive side of the ball, they got both quarterbacks coming back. Isaiah Canyon, who came in in relief of Chase Reese, who uh, tore his ACL in the first round of the playoffs. Those two are coming back. Malcolm Brown is leading. He's a big-time recruit running back. Um, but they got a guy named William um, Trey uh, Gunnings that's going to be his replacement, number 14, that played a little bit. So they got some pieces coming back. So it's not going to be all together um, a rebuilding year. Um, they said this year was going to be kind of a rebuilding year. And so it was, if it's anything like it was this year, <laughs> I guess we'll take that too, right? Yes. Now, now for the record, I went inside <laughs> our, our, our little bullpen area, uh-huh. and I bent down because I had to tie my shoe. There was water that had accumulated in my hood, and the water oh. came over both sets of both ears and yeah. literally poured out onto the floor. That's how mm-hmm. that game ended yeah. for me, yeah. was in our bullpen, tying my shoe and having water cascading back over my head that had accumulated in the hood of my raincoat. It made you question, why am I doing this again? Why am I doing this again? I love it. We I all love have those it. moments. <laughs> Well, but it was good. It was good. Was that was that after uh, the uh, Benedictine game? Yes, it was after the Benedictine oh, game when I went God. upstairs, and yeah, we were done at that point. But uh, yeah, man, yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, as always, it's great to have you as a part of the Football <laughs> Fridays in Georgia All Stars. It's great to see you and Frank and Ben and everybody down there at Football Fridays. And obviously, but you know, we we cannot leave the segment without shouting out Mister Collinsworth. Because without him, yeah, we could absolutely. not get to the next stages of everything when it comes to everything. And, I mean, John Millich had a fantastic year, 50 wins in a row down there in, in right. middle Georgia as well. Fantastic. Central Fellowship, Central yeah. Fellowship Christian Academy went back-to-back. Back. I mean, it was just great, man. And thanks to what all you guys do as well. I mean, Hannah, I know your your cheeks were hurting literally from <laughs> smiling um, those 20-plus uh, hours. You guys just did a great, fantastic job. She was dry and the entire time. credit. Y'all don't ever get enough credit for what goes on behind the scenes to keep coming back up there day after day after day. And that's just awesome. So I appreciate you and a salute to you too as well. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Be good, my friend. We'll catch up with you soon. Oh, yeah. Let go. Joining us now is WRBL-TV Columbus Sports Director, Jack Patterson. And Jack, I can't wait to get your take on the three days of championship coverage. What were your biggest observations from the crazy weekend? Man, well, I got to start with the game that I was personally there for, which is Bowden Slot County, which Mm -hmm. I honestly think was one of the games of the weekend. No doubt. When you talk about... When you talk about those two teams, they just went back and forth. There was no punts in that game, you know. But yet, you still had incredible offensive plays, defensive plays when they needed to be made, and then special teams plays coming through as well. So that game had everything you could have wanted in a state championship game. Unfortunately for our area, the Slide County Slide County couldn't come out on top, but that was just a heck of a game. And then the rest of the games as well. You know, we saw a lot of offense this year, which is kind of different from years past. We saw a ton of offense, especially <laughs> in that 7A state championship game. My eyes were open when I saw Mill Creek put up 39 in the first half and 70 total against a team like Carrollton. So, absolutely crazy. And then you had a whole bunch of other different crazy games as well. Cedar Town Benedictine was 
a fantastic game. You know, that's one of the other games I was looking forward to. So, just you know, GHSA Championship Weekend, rarely ever disappoint. Well, and at the same time, Jack, I know that for, for sports anchors and sports directors, it's always fun when there's a lot of offense going on because you're sitting there and you're talking to your producer. It's like, look, I need an extra 45 seconds. <laughs> and they ask you yeah. why. And they're like, no, you don't understand. You don't get it. I need an extra 45 seconds. There was a lot of highlights here. My my highlights for that game ran a minute long. <laughs> I was about to say, John, you need more than 45 seconds for that. I know. But... I minute, a minute long highlights and then 30 minutes for the post game. See, that's wow. strong. See, that's strong. That's, that's good stuff. Uh, and what a lot of folks may not necessarily un- understand or remember, Jack, is that Jay Kanazawa was a junior. He he's coming back for another season, and Darren Alford's bunch is probably going to be you know, right up there again at the top of the rankings in single A when we come back next year. It's not just Jay Kanazawa, John. John, it's you know Jalua Solomon, also a junior. Yeah, Zayden Walker, who's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. GPB so, All State. Yeah. You, uh, I talked to Coach Alford after the game. He's got seven. He's got eight offensive players coming back and seven defensive players coming back. Black County's not going anywhere. Wow. When you look, I know that you you're you're kind of camped out with us on the entire weekend. Look at the look at the season on the whole from thirty thousand feet. Obviously, we have our champions. We have flag football, which you know once again led the weekend off eleven title games and like sixty hours of real clock time. But when you look at the season on the whole, what sticks in your brain from the Western Frontier? I really think it's the rise of certain teams. Slack County, one of those teams, you know, that had always always been on the cusp of making it to Atlanta and finally getting there. I know it didn't work out the way they wanted to, but that was a big deal. Uh, you have uh, Troop County as well having another fantastic season with Tanner Glisson and Tao Todd. And all those guys, that's another guy that's a junior that's going to be coming back for one more shot at it. They have a lot of juniors on that team as well. So it's going to be a same deal for Troop County. And then I look at other programs, Carver, in their first year with Pierre Coffey, making it back to the Elite Eight. And they're going to be a team that's going to be building as well. So I'll say it was a year of change and a year of rise for teams in our area. There's a lot to look forward to in 2023 for our area. Yeah, and there was a lot excitement of excitement coming out of Ellaville. So did the entire town show up to Center Park Stadium? What was the atmosphere like? I mean, basically, I mean, it's not a, it's not a ton of people in Ellaville. Is 1,500. 1,500. I mean, and I feel like if the entire city wasn't there, I would venture to say at least 90% of it was. Amazing. I mean, it was it was packed. That's how, that's how I understand that uh, Center Park Stadium was packed. The Ellaville faithful showed up and showed out, as we like to say. And, you know, like I said, man, this is just the beginning for Slide County. I think you'll be hearing a lot more from the Wildcats. What Darren Alford has done in his time there is simply remarkable. We're talking about a program before he got there that was, was a no-win team, a one-win team, a two-win team, mm-hmm. and now they are – firmly on the state radar as a contender for a state championship year in, year out. This is just the beginning. So keep the name Slide County in your mind as we go into 2023. Well, Jack, as always, it's great to have you as a part of our Football Fridays and Georgia All-Stars. I guess you are, you're the intercontinental champion when it comes to title belts now, considering that... The- you know, that's, they, they say that's the workhorse belt, Nelly, and, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I don't let anybody outwork me, so... 
I guess it fits. The Intercontinental Champ here for Football Fridays in Georgia with the All-Stars, Jack Patterson, Sports Director, WRBL-TV in Columbus. Thanks for hanging out with us and letting us know what's going on on the Western Frontier all year long. We'll catch up before you know it. Anytime, anytime. Up next is host of Extra Point for ITG Next Georgia, Phil Jones. Phil, how are you after the championships? Oh, I feel so satisfied with that great football that we had. Have you but, recovered, you know, sir? What's that? Have you recovered, sir? Well, I have. But, you know, it's like eating a great meal. You feel satisfied, but you're kind of sad at the same time that it's over. I agree. That's a great way to put it because, you know, football season is mostly over for John and I now. I'm just going to go, I'm just gonna go back to the restaurant and bang on the door we and have, have them open up. the recruiting show, but it is kind of <laughs> sad. But, man, those championships were awesome. Well, let's bring you in for the Cedartown benedictine game, that last-second goal line stand, five plays at the one. Cadets win it 14-13. to 13. What were your thoughts on that one? You know, guys, I, I'll be honest with you. When you're, you know, when you're looking uh, from a defensive standpoint, when you're looking at having to defend the goal first and goal to go from the one and a downpour. That, yeah, exactly. That's pretty bleak. Um, you know, you're. I mean, it, what are the odds? You know, the team not scoring, and then you know, so you know, if you can get it to just one down at a time, one down at a time, and that's what Danny Britt's defensive unit was able to do, and I was a little surprised, and I really don't know why this this happened. Again, who am I to second guess? But um, any idea why they chose uh, Cedartown chose not to try a field goal? I can tell you because I, I have was... asked this same exact question, okay. and John told me to wait till the podcast. So right. here we go. John. So here's the deal: I was on the sidelines for the last handful of minutes in the downpour, getting every stitch of my clothing and all of my rain gear soaked. They call the timeout. They bring the kicker into the huddle. And they're trying to determine, okay, we'll probably kick the field goal. Literally, the second that they get in the huddle and start talking about it, 15, 20 seconds into the huddle discussion, it opens up. And, I mean, it is downpour and a half. Mm. And so with everything that can go wrong with a snap on a field goal attempt in those conditions, I understand why. At least from my perspective, I think it was because the skies opened up and it's better to sit there and, as a quarterback, perhaps hand off to a, to a running back in that situation and just power it in as opposed to snap, spot, kick that late. That's Like I said, that's just my perspective, but the skies opened up literally in that timeout. And I think that makes a lot of sense, guys. You know, to be honest with you, I'm the, the art of going through really an extra point, but uh, even more so a field goal, there's a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. to it, which you just kind of laid out for us, John. So that certainly clarifies that. And to be honest with you, I probably would have done the same thing. All right. So the other thing that we focused on last week is ITG Next's behind the scenes with Gainesville. And the first season of Josh Niblett up there, they get to the last game of the year. They take on Hughes. They were hanging with him, but it was that one little stretch at the end of the first half, two scores lightning quick, and the game opened up from there. Yeah, yeah, if you, I mean, you want to look at it, really, that was probably the difference in the game. But, wow, what a great coaching job. Not, uh, you know, all season long for sure, but especially in that game. Because, guys, let's face it, uh, Hughes had been just rolling over everybody with ease. And, you know, Josh Niblett, give him credit, to come up with a game plan. 
to try to stifle as much as it is possible to do so, uh, Air Nolan, mm-hmm. and they did about as good a job as you can. They gave themselves a chance to win the game, guys, and that's really all you can ask for, you know, going up against the, well, any team, but especially a team like Hughes. Yeah, first championship victory in school history and the emotion on Coach Boone Williams' face after the game and the players breaking down, that was just what high school football is all about. So, Well, guys, and, and, and so let me add this, too. So, you know, you had last year, and, and funny, we'll tie in our previous discussion with this one, so it was kind of funny that, you know, last year it was Langston Hughes who, you know, was going to try a last-second field goal despite not having kicked a field goal or attempted a field goal all season long to try to win last year. And, of course, we know that did not work right. out. So, you know, kind of interesting that we were just talking about that. But uh, they obviously didn't didn't have the need for, um, you know, to do that. Although they did. The first points of the game, I believe, came on a field goal, didn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And uh, one other team that I wanted to talk to you about was the Fitzgerald-Thompson game. Fitzgerald trying to go back-to-back. They've got more than two dozen juniors coming back for 2023 Fitzgerald and Thompson, and you got to see some of the great talent down there that we know about in South Georgia and also in East Georgia. Yep. So just as we were with uh, kind of doing a behind-the-scenes with Gainesville a couple of weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago we were actually with Tucker Pruitt and the Fitzgerald Purple Hurricanes, um, and you guys will be able to see that uh, coming up shortly. Excellent plug, sir. Nicely next. done. Yes, nicely done. <laughs> but uh, kind of the same thing. But we got to, you know, when you do that, you get to know these guys. You get to see these guys without their helmets on and behind the scenes. And I, I tell you, a great group of individuals, both coaches, players. And listen, tough game, hard fought game. Um, you know, I love Tucker Pruitt's comments at halftime speaking of the rain. Hey, we play football in the rain down here at Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> and you know, it was just it was too good. It was two uh, two teams going at it, battling. I love Fitzgerald straight ahead. Uh, you know, three yard, literally three yards in a cloud of dust. Of course, there was no dust flying up in the rain, but chunks you of get tires. My point. Yeah. Yep. So but, we uh, just give Thompson credit, yeah. and they just uh, they, they running back, and his name escapes me right now. But what an incredible young man and running back he is. Yeah, John Tavis Curry. I mean, that was just – John Tavis Curry, 243 and four. Wow. Three of them on more than 50 yards. Please so, tell me that the college is going to snatch this young man make up. Make that kid an offer. There you go. So we just recapped all of Friday, and let me give everybody these scores in case you weren't following perfectly. Thompson beat Fitzgerald 32-27, Benedictine beat Cedartown 14-13, and Hughes took down Gainesville 35-28. So, Phil, thanks for going through all of Friday with us of championship coverage, and it's always a pleasure to have you on. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I really have enjoyed it uh, this year. And, again, it did not disappoint. I thought this was going to be a great year of football and did not disappoint. It was. Be well, my friend. Thanks, guys. And last but not least, voice of GBB Sports Football Fridays in Georgia and co-host of Recruiting 2022, Matt Stewart, who called five of the 11 championships. I mean, I imagine, Matt, that, that our pipes, meaning yours and mine, are probably feeling about the same right now on, on as we're talking on a Monday. No, I'm, I'm fine because a couple of years ago, I remember. You turned me on to uh, throat coat. Yeah, brother. Yeah. Yeah, he oh, lost just, his voice, and I had to step in. I remember. I was there for that. Yeah, I uh, been drinking uh, throat coat tea with honey religiously, 
every time I have to do a high-stress event or events, and it, it works. Yeah. Brought two Vo- The brought, voice sounds great. Brought two boxes with me on the weekend, and so I know exactly what you're talking about. So, uh, you know, well, for, let's talk to him about that. Okay, That's well, that there, but, all right, hang on, game. hang, hang on. Oh, what right, are we so, hanging on for? Well, no, it's from a from a play-by-play guy's perspective. Okay. You had some of the most ridiculously exciting games that a play-by-play guy could ever have, regardless of sport. I mean, you had you had goal lines. You had five plays at the one for a goal line yep. stand. You had a record-setting game. In 7A, on a bunch of different levels, you had right. history with your other ones. I mean, it, it was, this was this was like a holiday for you, man. This was like Christmas <laughs> calling. It was it was like Christmas. All the gifts yeah, that you like, got, man. Yeah, really. From you know start to finish, uh, the Thursday night game, Prince Avenue and Swainsboro, the Bailey Stockton, remarkable, you know, story playing with a broken collarbone and then uh, the reincarnation of Michael Vick <laughs> playing quarterback Ty Adams for Swainsboro. I don't know that I've ever seen quite that kind of performance. Yeah, well, I take that back. We saw a lot of great performances in a losing effort. Juju throwing for over 500 yards in the 7A game and a losing <laughs> effort. Uh, the 55, uh, the five touchdowns in 55 seconds though, uh, has to go down as the most extraordinary thing I've ever seen in football, much less called in football. And I got the opportunity to do that. In fact, if, if folks want to go to my uh, Twitter account right now, I posted all five plays. So it's getting, I think where I'm up around 36,000 hits now on that. Is that people all? Are going, <laughs> people are going nuts over that. So uh, yeah, you can go see the, you know, the five plays that happened in 55, seconds i got them edited together but it was nuts i'm never you know that's just unto itself just unbelievable uh so and then benedictine you know with the legendary goal line stand with the game on the line to deny theater town all those things uh i mean there's just so many things that happened uh, over that three-day period that were just unbelievable it was it had to be our the the greatest uh, collection of state championship games I think we've ever done. It's certainly since I've been doing it over the last ten years. Yeah, I mean Mill Creek not only playing in its first ever state title in its nineteen year history, but comes up with a seventy to thirty five win over Carrollton, making that GHSA championship history. What? was going through your mind with all of those back-to-back touchdowns in 55 seconds (laughs) because my jaw was on the floor you know if you watch the broadcast we have to pick a play of the first half or halftime and I I was lost after the blocked field goal return for a touchdown my head was spinning so Matt what was going through your mind I mean it was just uh it it got to the point it was almost kind of ridiculous Mm -hmm. I mean you know touchdown after touchdown after touchdown and you just kept wondering, at least Wayne and I did, when's this game going to settle down and be like a real football <laughs> game? Because right now it's not like a real football game. That doesn't happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like uh, yeah, Coach Josh Lovelady, uh, you know, said it was, like a, it was like a track meet is really mm-hmm. what it was. And I think somebody on Twitter referred said the game was drunk. Uh, that might be that might be the best thing I've ever heard said. Yeah, it was like the game was drunk. 
I mean, all right. So here, here, here's the rundown. Uh, block field goal return for a score, 88 mm-hmm. yards. 18, yep. 18 seconds later, co for 27 yards from Juju Lewis. Ensuing right. kickoff return for a score. 14 yep. seconds later, after the ensuing kickoff, Bryce Hicks 80 yards from Juju Lewis. Then 11 seconds later after the kickoff. So this is like literally ensuing kickoff. If they don't score, it's the next play after the kickoff. Then it's uh, Justin Content 80 yards from Hayden Clark. Then Caleb Downs has a six-yard run and an 80-yard pass within 14 seconds of each other. Uh, Caleb Odom, Caleb Downs back-to-back within 14 seconds. One score each on the board. Then Downs has two. Takari Lipscomb scores. And you're at the half. And there's... Uh, seventy-three was set was seventy-seven points on the board at the half. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it was on one hundred and five points as you brought up. Hannah was the highest scoring mm-hmm. state championship game ever, topped it by two touchdowns. Beat beat the record by two touchdowns. The previous record had been ninety-one total points. Uh, Carrollton and Griffin called that game. Jock West Parks, yeah, in twenty thirteen, and you know they scored two plus more touchdowns uh, in this game. So so we named our DPB All-Stars and oh, we've been following, you know, recruiting and all of these talented players all season long. Did did anybody just outperform expectations or what what is your overall take on all of the talent on the field this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, I would say yeah, when you know, it's hard to you know, it's hard to imagine that a freshman would throw for 520-something <laughs> yards in a state championship game and lose, mm-hmm. uh, but he did. And But he's going to be back. Oh, Carrollton's yeah. going to be back. You know, Carrollton's going to be – we want, like I said on the air uh, Saturday night, we won't miss on him this time. This past year we didn't, but we weren't the only ones. I went back and looked at Georgia High School Football Daily. They didn't have them ranked either. So we weren't the only dummies not to have them ranked in the preseason top 10. But we won't miss them on won't miss on them this time. I'd say they go into the year, you know, and Buford's going to be in the mix and Colquitt, uh, you know, just off the top of my head. Those are the th- probably the top 3 teams in the rankings uh in, in when we come back around for 2023. So on, but yeah, the... Lewis, Juju Lewis and Cam Robinson goes yeah. for you know over 200 yards rushing in the state championship game. Yeah, you 252. Know, yeah, yeah. I mentioned Ty Adams. You know he, uh, you know he rushed for like 250 something yards as a quarterback and scored four touchdowns. All of them. You know he had the 20. He had a 27 yard touchdown. After that, everything else was like over 45 yards. Yeah. I mean, he he really did. He looked like a right-handed Michael Vick out there. And, um, you know, that's extraordinary. And, you know, just Bailey Stott. And we forget about Aaron Philo. Philo threw for 491. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was right there, too. You know, and everybody kind of forgets about that because it happened Thursday <laughs> oh, night. Oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, So many things. There's just so many individual performances that just, you know, blew out, blew blew away um, expectations. You know, I don't know how how can you anticipate anybody's going to throw for 500 yards. And then you had some extraordinary defensive efforts as well. Uh, Trey Hargroves had a super game for 
Ware County. Recruiting uh, is open for Trey Hargrove. I guarantee you that. Well, did you see Bailey Stockton got offered by Georgia State? So on the you know the team that played there, yeah, he got he got his first FBS offer from Georgia State yesterday. Wow. So yeah, that was that was super cool. And Hayden Clark picked up an offer from um, so West Georgia, West Georgia. So that you know, he gets himself an uh, an uh, his previous offers had been NAIA schools. So yeah, so and 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 that's just a that's just a sampling. I'm sure there's plenty of other kids who got contacted after that because you know coaches around the country are watching this thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's great. And I thought it was really cool that Bailey Stockton got offered by the team that plays there in that stadium. So, you know, that would have been, you know, hard to miss out that when they happened on your own field. But, All right. Yeah, so I was super excited for him. Last question for you from us uh, on recruiting 2022. And we're about a week away mm-hmm. from the early signing period. From right. the games that you called on the weekend, give me a make that kid an offer or make that kid more offers from any of the ones that you saw that really blew you away. Oh, well, you know, just, you know, those those two kids right there, uh, Bryce Hicks, too, although he's a junior, I would definitely say, I mean, he's only got four offers, and I don't know how that even possible that nobody <laughs> else has offered that, that well I don't understand how that kid doesn't have 40 offers uh I mean he's the most underrated player in the state uh, so I, I don't know but he should have 40 offers uh the Trey Hargrove's kid uh should have a bunch of offers uh just so many guys out there that should have more philo you know, his, his recruiting is probably going to pick up, but he only has three offers right now. You know, UCF is probably in the lead right now for him, and he's just a junior, and, and, and Coach Vandergriff said he felt like his, you know, it'd pick up in the spring. But I, I just don't understand, you know, the the recruiting process sometime and how some of these kids just simply don't have offers. I know – you know, so much of it's the measurables. I get that. But when you watch these kids play and and do what they do in a state championship game, they're not doing this against, you know, backwater high school. They're doing it in the state championship game against, you know, the best team in the state, the two best teams in the state. And when they perform like that, I got to say, you know what? It's, at some point, you, you got you to gotta throw out the measurables and look at what the guy does against, you know, peer competition. So. Well, we still had a lot of undecided talent out there. So, everybody, a reminder, we will be doing early National Signing Day coverage on December 21st coming up in just a little bit. And to see if any of these guys have some surprises or some flips. And early National Signing Merry Day Flipmas. is That's a favorite holiday fun. of the year. So, wow, I mean, it'll be hard, it'll be hard to top what happened last year <laughs> with, uh, with Travis Hunter. So yeah, I don't anticipate anything quite like that this year, but uh, you never know until Travis uh, flips to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Yeah. TBD. That won't be a flip. That's just going to be a transfer. <laughs> He's going to be portaling to yeah. to Colorado. That's going to happen. All right, yep. Matt. Well.
Thank you, you so count. much for your thank you so much for your time today and breaking down the games and your calls were were great to listen to as always and it was a fun weekend of coverage. But uh, I just thought I just thought everybody on our team, top to bottom, you know, certainly everybody sees us as we're on the air, but just the whole team, top to bottom, just did an extraordinary job. I mean, I, I was really proud of our work as a as a as GPB sports team. I was really proud of what we were able to do. I second that, Matt. So we've recapped Thursday and Friday. So here are the final scores for Saturday. Ware County beat Warner Robins 38-13. Mill Creek beat Carrollton 70-35. And John Sandy Creek beat Cedar Grove 21-17 to get their first title in 3A since 2012. Yeah, and uh, Garvin family always uh, prevalent there at Sandy Creek with mm -hmm. uh, Brett, the head coach, Cole Garvin, the quarterback that was there. You could see Cole on the sidelines wearing his Garvin Letterman jacket. And it was it was pretty funny in the in the post game interview where I wanted to try to have Coach Garvin discuss all of the deep ties, having been there for as long as he have, all the family elements. He goes, John, you're not gonna get me. <laughs> and so then he he talked about it a little bit, and I made that the last question. But it was just it was fun to see uh, Sandy Creek win a title, Cedar Grove tremendous work from them with a national schedule, and you're talking about region rivals here with Sandy Creek and Cedar Grove, Cedar Grove won the shootout between those two, 49-34 during the regular season. Remember, it's a it's a four-team region, so you had only three region games. Three of the four teams out of Region 5 made it to the Final Four in that classification. So it speaks to how tough that region is. And then for Cedar Grove, playing national schedules because of the respect that they have garnered I mean, they went to Washington D.C. to play. They went a game. through it this year. Yeah, and so they see, had a team cancel on them. Yeah, and so you have all of that stuff from Cedar Grove that they've gone through to try to uh, recap and try to. I think it's three titles in the last five years. I yeah. think now for Cedar Grove, so great work by Region Five to get to the last game of the year and be all most of the Final Four in the class as well. Yes, and congratulations to Sandy Creek and their fans. Okay, John. Well, I think that we have officially recapped. Yeah, championships. Everything, everything, everything that happened. So before we go, once again, and yes. I'm going to turn this way. Shout out to everybody there on the other side of the glass. Amen. To, to uh, Jake the Snake, to King James, for uh, Ambassador Jeremy, and for Commander Sandy for putting up with me specifically, but for putting up with both of us on one of the wildest high school football seasons that we've had in recent memory here in the state of Georgia. We could not do this without you guys every single year. So before we go, I want to hear from each one of you one last time. Where are you on your holiday shopping now that football season is over? <laughs> your decorations better be up. Where are right, so who's on the mic first? Just go ahead and jump in. I need I just need four responses before we go. So where is everybody in their snake? Snake, are you up? Okay. So we got Jake's got Jake has to do his they audio. They weren't ready. They weren't ready. You know what showed up in our yard yesterday? An inflatable llama. <laughs> An inflatable Grinch. I, was I came close. home. I was. Close. I came home from the broadcast, the yeah. last one, and my husband John had put up an inflatable Grinch. That's awesome. That's. that's I'm ashamed. Why? We've become those people. No, John has. Been, John made a. I think John made a holiday statement. <laughs> he wanted to get that reaction out like of. Like it even makes like the buzzing noise. It's like. Bzzz. Yeah, that's the air going into. 
that noise. <laughs> exactly. You. That is exactly correct. It is so See, bright. Snake, snake it's hit like the effect that he didn't know it, it worked. All right. So, yeah, Snake. That was, that was perfect. Where are, you on, where are you on your, uh, your shopping and decorating, Snake? Unfortunately, I haven't done any shopping. Adam Boy, right or there with you. <sighs> Uh, it's going to be a real cheap uh, Christmas for me this year. I think everybody's getting pickled okra and jams and jellies and stuff like Ooh, that. Ooh, I'd take uh, that, I would, I would have said... Homemade? Homemade? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that'd be fun. That's, that's cheap. A great know? gift. All right, great assembly gift. line. Who's next? James next. All right, King James, where are you on shopping and stuff? Uh, I'm pretty much basically just like Jake. I haven't done anything yet. Yes! Oh, <laughs> awesome! Uh, tree's going up tonight, though. Oh, okay, we'll do that no. Uh, all right. Oh, no. It's a little late, but it'll be no, late it's never. Ever. No, it's never too late. It's late on the 26th. It's, it's not late. late until then. It's too late. Uh, Ambassador Jeremy. Uh, actually, all the decorations are up at, oh, at thank, our house. Thank I, uh, goodness. I didn't do it. I was out of town all weekend, and then, and then Always my girlfriend put them up. on the handiwork of others. So, this yeah, time so of that year. was fantastic. And as for... Uh, Christmas gifts. I've got the majority of them bought. I have the idea for for okay. everybody. Okay. I keep a list. Okay. I mean, I did start buying in October. The Orbit Motion Arrow would be your friend. I'm happy, I'm happy friend. with that. Happy with that. Smartly played, Commander Sandy. Well, uh, the tree is not up yet. Sandy, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> it is late this year. I will admit. Uh, but shopping, I'm about halfway there. It's only I'm late a last-minute shopper, anyway. Yes. So, right there I'm with a little you. ahead. Okay. On that. All right. Okay. But uh, well done. Uh, no matter what holiday you celebrate, your decorations need to be up, people. I feel like I'm next to a holiday drill sergeant. <laughs> oh, man. They need to be up. Well, what if they're not? <laughs> then that's just not acceptable. She's passionate. That's a word to use. I am. I always love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. My girls were then born. Then you celebrate 10 months out of the year. My girls are born around Christmas. They are one years old tomorrow, by the way. One years old. Today's I would hope that they're one year old. Day. Well, they're plural. That's two of them. They, so are each, they are each one year old. They're one years old. This isn't the poet laureate, <laughs> poets laureate, brothers-in-law discussion. They are each one year old. One years old. What? I think it's time to wrap this up. Hey, we have a reminder, everybody. We do. This is our last show of the year, podcast of the on year. On a weekly basis. On a weekly basis. Yeah. Of, well, last one of the year. True. We will be back next month signing for another podcast. Signing day. We will be recapping early signing day, previewing regular national <laughs> signing day, and just filling you in on stuff. how we survived the holidays. And Hannah's decorations will still be up. Or she will have taken them down already and started posting next year's holiday decorations. They'll still be up. By the time we come on air, I guarantee they'll still be up. For the for the Fab Four, for <laughs> Hannah, I'm just John Played Safe, everybody. Enjoyed, enjoyed it once again for another year of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Thanks to the All-Stars. Todd Holcomb, GHSF Daily. Uh, please get well soon. Mary Alexanders at WSWGTV. Jack Patterson, WRBL Columbus. Marvin James, WMAZ. Uh, TV and Megan. Oh, Phil, uh, Phil Jones, ITG next. Thank you. Uh, ITG next, then the, the Extra Point Show and our own Matt Stewart here at GPB. We're out. We'll see you later. to you by the Georgia Governor's Office of Highway Safety, reminding you to buckle up, Georgia.